Wake up, America. It's Morning Air with John Morales. Si, senor. Sarah Tafoya. And Glenn Leverance. This is Morning Air. On Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Wake up, America. It's Thursday, February 2nd. Good morning. Welcome back to the final hour of Morning Air on the Feast of the Presentation of the Lord, also known as Candlemas. I'm John Morales, along with Glenn Leverance. Our studio producer is Sarah Tafoya. Thanks so much for joining us across America. It's good to be with you here this morning on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Remember that every day is a blessing, so make the most of every day that we are given. On Thursdays, we always remember the institution of the Holy Eucharist on Holy Thursday by our Lord Jesus Christ. During this Eucharistic revival uh, period, these three years that our bishops uh, have called for, try to visit the Blessed Sacrament. Uh, Try to do it today if you can, or make an extra visit sometime this week. I want to bring in Glenn and Sarah. Glenn, what are a few of the big stories making headlines this hour? Um, I think uh, it has uh, something to do with a little groundhog. That's right. It's Groundhog Day. Punxsutawney Phil made his annual appearance in western Pennsylvania. You want to know the results? But above all else, I see a shadow on my stage. And so... No matter how you measure, it's six more weeks of winter weather. There you go. <laughs> there you go. And, you know, I don't know, from my vantage point, only six more weeks of winter would be would be not bad. But uh, but there you go. That sounds good. It sounds <laughs> I love how you phrase that. Only, that would be great, because it usually it extends further and further and oh, further, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you you got to love it. I, I, they make um, such a, a big deal out of uh, Paxitani Phil c- coming out of uh, uh, hibernation and, and and making his prediction every day. This has been going on for uh, since the 1800s. I mean, this is such a tradition there in Pennsylvania, and it's always a lot of fun. Uh, but it's also not a coincidence that it happens today uh, on uh, Candlemas, also known as the Presentation of the Lord. Well, I can't wait to hear about that connection. And you mentioned earlier that uh, when Father Kabicki joins us in the, the back half of this hour, we'll hear more. Huh? Yes, we will definitely uh, talk uh, about it. Uh, in the meantime, uh, it's uh, good to see that uh, another year has come and uh, Paxitani Phil has done his duty. No, technically, he saw his shadow. That meant it was clear and sunny, which means it's generally cooler in the winter. If it's a bright day, the clouds holding the heat in a little bit more. So sunny day in western Pennsylvania. So there we go. More more cold weather. He popped out once again to announce his retirement. This is becoming an annual thing, but I think it might be for good this time. We heard from Tom Brady yesterday. Good morning, guys. I'll get to the point. I'm retiring for good. Uh, really thank you guys so much to every single one of you for supporting me. My family, my friends, my teammates, my competitors. Uh, I could go on forever. There's too many. Thank you guys for allowing me to live my absolute dream. I wouldn't change a thing. Love you all. It was uh, no doubt uh, very emotional for uh, Tom Brady, and I think this time he was dead serious. I I saw the video. His eyes uh, welled up. Uh, He was really sincerely saying uh, goodbye uh, to all of his fans, and uh, 
you know, uh, what, what a way to, to retire once again. He, he, he had that big retirement last year, and he came back, and now this time, it, it, I believe that this time is the real uh, deal. Uh, who would have thunk that a guy uh, picked in the 199th um, pick of the NFL draft would go on to win seven Super Bowl championships, uh, six of them uh, with the New England Patriots, and of course uh, the last one uh, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, this guy will go down, uh, if not the GOAT, if not the greatest of all time, definitely among the top three, uh, I believe. Absolutely. All-time leader in touchdown passes and, uh, and yardage as well. I remember seeing uh, the camera follow him off the field after that last game, that loss in the playoffs for the Buccaneers to the Cowboys, and he didn't necessarily uh, give any indication of emotion as he was walking off the field there, And uh, but yet uh, he certainly did yesterday. Contrast that to, uh, well, he's more... More dramatic, uh, I suppose, always on the field, but Aaron Rodgers with the Packers, uh, still under contract with that team for a few more years. But, you know, the camera showed him at the end of their last game looking around as if he was trying to to soak it all in, whether that was just part of the act, uh, I'm not sure. But congratulations for a fabulous football on-field career for Mr. Brady, who now heads to the broadcast booth with Fox. Yes, he does, and I'm sure he will do a great job, and uh, I'm sure it was in the back of his mind. He'd rather be uh, up in the booth uh, at age 46 than getting pounded on by 300-pound linemen. Yeah, and the money will still be pretty good. Oh, no doubt, and I'm sure he will do an outstanding job. He will go down as as a great analyst uh, once uh, he gets uh, into uh, the flow, for sure. Uh, Real quick, uh, today is a big day for our uh, very own studio producer, Sarah. Her baby Lucy is one year old. Happy birthday to baby Lucy. Yeah, I know you were talking about uh, candle must. Well, there'll be one candle this year that will be uh, lighting today and over the weekend as we celebrate with family and friends. So yeah, happy birthday to little Lucy. It seems like just yesterday we were uh, just meeting her for the first time, but we've got to know her and uh, we'll we'll keep her. She's pretty good. (laughs) And uh, how uh, perfectly appropriate that Lucy means light. So we light a candle uh, for Lucy today. Well, and she wasn't supposed to be born today, so I think there's no coincidence there. God knows what he's doing. A God incidence. <laughs> Just a little more happy birthday for Lucy. There we go. I love it. Uh, thanks uh, so much, uh, Glenn. Well, thank and you, Glenn. Sarah. We begin every hour here on Morning Air, always in prayer, always giving thanks to our Lord for all the many blessings. We always pray through the intercession of the Mother of God, our Blessed Mother Mary. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady of Guadalupe, Nuestra Señora de Guadalupe, patroness of the Americas, patroness of the unborn and of relevant radio, pray for us. St. Joseph, patron of the Universal Church, pray for us. St. John Paul II, co-patron of Relevant Radio, pray for us. And we invoke the Holy Spirit this morning when we pray, come Holy Spirit, come. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. 
You can always find us on Twitter and Facebook at Morning Air Show. If you want to send us an email directly, morningair at relevantradio.com is the address. And, of course, if you want to be a part of the program here this morning, our number is 888 Now, of course, this is something that we uh, have talked about uh, in the past here on the show. We are all called to be holy. Holiness is our ultimate goal, and we and getting to heaven, of course, is the ultimate goal. But we definitely have to work at it uh, to get there. We uh, cannot dismiss our other calling to evangelize, to share the faith, to introduce uh, Jesus uh, to others. Now, what happens if we just focus on evangelization uh, without uh, working towards holiness? And what happens if we do our best to be holy? that we don't share Christ with others. Joining us live from College Station, Texas, is Morning Air contributor Marcel Lejeune to discuss holiness and evangelization in union. Marcel is the president and founder of Catholic Missionary Disciples, a Catholic apostolate that works with Catholic leaders to form missionary disciples who then make missionary disciples. Good morning, Marcel. Thanks so much uh, for being with us this morning. Great to be with you again here on the Feast of the Presentation of the Lord. Happy Feast Day. Happy Feast Day to you, too. Uh, I always love uh, your blogs. You always have an interesting uh, angle, and and this time uh, you have one called Holiness and Evangelization in Union. Uh, Can you tell us uh, about... Uh, how holiness and mission uh, are inseparable. Yeah, well, the first thing is that I think a lot of Catholics get this kind of on a conceptual level. It's more of a level of practice, I think, where we really need to work through it. And, you know, I remember when I was a a young adult in college and I had a big conversion. I I had been going to college, I mean, to church for several years, and I had this big conversion and I get back to uh, my dorm after having this big conversion, and I start going to my buddies who I had been partying with, and, and I started telling them about how I wasn't going to be doing that stuff anymore because I had met this man. His name's Jesus, and he changed my life. And uh, I started trying to evangelize them and sharing Jesus and my story with them. Well, there was really no impact in their lives, um, even though there was this humongous impact in my own life. And I realized later that a big part of that was that my life at the time, in in their eyes, was not consistent with the words that I was saying. My actions were not consistent with my words. And when your actions are consistent with your words, we call somebody a hypocrite, because you're saying one thing and you're doing another. Now, I really didn't even have time to change my actions up until this point. But looking back now, it took me a while to change habits, to form new ones, uh, to get rid of the bad ones, to to try to to purge myself of sin, to allow the Holy Spirit to work in my life. And and until that started to happen, my evangelization was kind of numbed in the eyes of my friends and my family. And my words really didn't have the impact because my life wasn't echoing what my words were saying. And so I think this is an easy one, this trying to evangelize without holiness for people to understand. But I, And I also don't think it's as big a problem. I just don't think there's many people out there who are trying to evangelize without trying in some way 
to change your life. So this is one side of the coin, but I think it's the lesser side of the coin. I think a lot of people can easily identify with it. Well, Marcel, obviously uh, the good Lord was working on you. I don't think you were a hypocrite. You had did good intentions. You just hadn't gotten there yet. He was still uh, forming you like a, like uh, like a clay, uh, like the potter forms the clay. He might say, um, and so uh, definitely the intentions uh, were there. The the seeds of uh, mm-hmm. that transformation to, to become an authentic disciple uh, had been planted. Yeah, and you know, I I think on the on the real strict definition of the word hypocrite. I was a hypocrite. Uh, My mom always told, she taught inner city schools for 30 something years. And the kids used to complain, well, I'm not going to go to church because it's full of a bunch of hypocrites. And my mom's response would be, well, you're right. Come join us. (laughs) In other words, in other words, you know, we're all sinners, right? There's room for one more. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) and, And Jesus came for the sick not for those who were already righteous and didn't need a, a doctor. So we're all sinners and we all, we all stand in need. And I think that was what was happening was I was, my life was full of many sins at that point. And so it, it stood in stark contrast to my words, but there is, you know, and this universal call to holiness, which the church after Vatican II really started taking up the clarion call. We need to, to be holy, but, there's another universal call, and that is to evangelize. And so they go hand in hand, and one without the other really is not going to inform perfectly uh, to help both of them to rise up. You have to do both at the same time. If I want to be a saint, in other words, I need to evangelize. And if I want to evangelize well, I need to be a saint. And so what happened there at the beginning of my journey with the Lord is I really hadn't done either one of them well. Um, and so I think the larger disconnect for a lot of Catholics is trying to be holy without the explicit evangelization. And I want to be, I want to be very careful here, um, because part of evangelization is living out your faith, is being a witness with your deeds and, and with the way that your life shows the Lord, right? With living virtuous life, by being prayerful by doing acts of charity. These kind of things are absolutely part of evangelization. But the Church also teaches that evangelization is incomplete unless we proclaim with our words Jesus Christ and his gospel message. That is, that Jesus Christ has come to save us, that Jesus Christ has a plan for the world, that it includes salvation through his cross and resurrection, and that we receive him in faith as our Lord and Savior. And so this is the kind of gospel proclamation that completes our evangelization. And if we want to be saints, we have to evangelize explicitly, that is, by using our words. And so this is where I think the larger disconnect happens for a lot of Catholics, because what it's easier and what can, really modern Catholic culture in the West really has set a, a low bar in this area by saying, yes, go live a virtuous life. Yes, go be prayerful. Yes, go do acts of charity and service. And that's great and necessary. But that's where the bar stops, because we rarely say, yes, go out there and proclaim the gospel and use your words to try to invite people into this relationship with Jesus Christ by giving your testimony, by proclaiming uh, this good news. And, And it scares people, and we have to acknowledge that it scares people. But if we want to be saints, we have to overcome this fear and start to do it more. 
Well, Marcel, uh, I have uh, this beautiful photo of uh, uh, Pope St. John Paul II um, holding a, a rosary, uh, wearing this long white coat walking through the forest. And on the back it says, it is not enough to discover Christ. You must bring him to others. The world today is a great mission land, even in countries of longstanding Christian tradition. These are the infamous words of JP too, and uh, it, it ties in so perfectly to our discussion. You, you can know Christ, but if you don't introduce him to others, you're missing the boat. Yeah, and the other thing, and here's, here's where we really get caught, is that if we're not evangelizing as we ought to, using our words and being explicit with it, it actually stunts our holiness. It slows it down, because we're meant to be great evangelists. And we're meant to be great saints, and you can't do one without the other. And therefore, if you want to be a great saint, you need to evangelize, and it slows you down. In a sense, it it is a sin of omission because it's something we're not doing, and we're told to do. We're commanded by our Lord to go and make disciples. And Paul says, woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. So when I realized this, and and I've had to deal with this uh, in my own life, and my old walk with the Lord, this kind of jarred me out of a comfort zone and, and an expectation because I realized that I had kind of fit this idea of evangelization into my own box rather than into what the Lord had called me to and what the church had called me to. And ultimately, when I started to evangelize, and it doesn't mean, you know, oh, yes, everybody's just going to believe everything I say and I'm not going to be rejected because we're promised to be rejected sometimes. But it helped me grow in holiness because I grew in humility. I grew in understanding other people and in real charity. And the reason I say real charity is because if I really love the other person in front of me, like God loves them, then what wouldn't I do to try to help them get to heaven? Would I overcome those things that are uncomfortable for me? Absolutely. Would I go and try to work on my own sins? Absolutely. Would I talk about Jesus because it's they need to know about him so that they too can have the chance to go to heaven? You better bet I would. Because So if I want to be this great saint, I got to start to work on my own evangelization. I think that goes for holiness, all of us, because holiness is not so much what we're doing, but what we allow God to do through us. And the same is true with our evangelization. We're joined this morning by uh, Marcel Lejeune, the president and founder of Catholic Missionary Disciples. Mar- Marcel, um, do you think that uh, our present-day modern Catholic culture in many ways de-emphasizes evangelization? I've, I've met people—in fact, I remember meeting a, a Major League Baseball player who said to me that uh, his faith was private. Uh, it, was, it was his private thing between him and God. He just didn't understand the idea of sharing the faith. Yes, and I think it's also a lie that we bought into from the devil um, and from our world and, and from our own interior stuff, uh, because it's difficult sometimes to talk about Jesus. It can be uncomfortable at times. It puts us out there. But just like that same baseball player would probably put on a, a ball cap and identify what team he played for in public without any fear or you know of repercussions of, of, of a team that you know, didn't like him, you know, in a city that didn't like his team. In the same way, we have to go into enemy territory with Christ uh, as part of who we are and to show him to the world. 
and not be ashamed of him. Because Jesus says, those who are ashamed of me, of the Father, I'm going to, you know, not gonna, I'm going to deny them. And those are tough words. So the heart of our witness has to come from our words. And yes, that flows out of a great love for Jesus Christ that's shown in our deeds and in our, our life. It, it reminds me of um, St. Paul, who says that we n- must be fools for Christ. And, you know, you, you think of, like, uh, fans in the stands, uh, you know, at a football game, all painted up. They're going nuts. They're, they're fools for their team. Well, we need to be fools in a spiritual way for our Lord Jesus. Oh, absolutely. Think about what, what Jesus did while he walked on this earth. He didn't conform to the wider culture, and he didn't even conform to the Jewish expectations of culture. And we have to sometimes look in the mirror and say there are things in our modern Catholic culture where we haven't necessarily fully taken on the mind and the heart of Jesus Christ. And where, where we meet those things that are not consistent in our Catholic culture with the mind and heart of Jesus Christ, we take on Christ, not those parts of the culture. This is not in any kind of way rejecting any Catholic teaching. This is just the culture, right? The way that the people have reflected these things. And some, there's good and bad in there. Final minute, uh, a quick word on the best way to share our faith and our love of Jesus with others. Yeah, the first thing we got to do is we have to win trust. And we got to start asking people. So think about somebody right now who's far away from Jesus Christ, maybe not going to church. And the first thing we need to do is build a relationship. So today, I challenge people who are listening Give them a phone call, invite them for a cup of coffee or over for dinner or out to lunch, and just start asking them questions so you can figure out where are they with God and what do they need so that I can respond appropriately. It's not the big jump right up front, but let's start there before we get to the point where we can earn the trust to be able to witness how God's worked in our own lives and what His gospel message is for those people. No question. Building relationships and friendships can go a long way in sharing the faith. Um, Real quick, where can our listeners uh, read your whole blog, Holiness and Evangelization in Union? Yeah, CatholicMissionaryDisciples.com. And thank you, and I'll be praying for all the people who are listening to this. Marcel, God bless you. Thank you so much uh, for joining us this morning. Y'all have a great day. Marcel Lejeune, the president and founder of Catholic Missionary Disciples at CatholicMissionaryDisciples.com. We're going to take a, a short break. When Morning Air returns, our spiritual director, Father James Kabicki, will tell us all about the presentation of the Lord, also known as Candlemas, that we are celebrating today. So stay with us. There is much more to come here on Morning Air. We'll be right back. Welcome to Punxsutawney. Welcome to Groundhog Day! Punxsutawney Phil, ladies and gentlemen! Phil! Phil! Hear ye, hear ye! Now on this February 2nd, Punxsutawney Phil, the seer of seers, I see a shadow on my stage. And so, No matter how you measure, it's six more weeks of winter weather. Thank you and happy Groundhog Day. 
And happy Groundhog Day. Welcome back to Morning Air. I'm John Morales along with Glenn and producer Sarah. Thanks so much for joining us on this Thursday morning. It's also the Feast of the Presentation of the Lord. Uh, great, it's great to be with you here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Our power scripture from the Playbook of Life is from James 1.12. The Apostle St. James writes, Blessed is the man who endures trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. As Catholic Christians, we need to understand the redemptive value of trials and of suffering. Many of us have not been taught what suffering is or how to bear it. The Lord gives us trials to test our faith. He always gives us the grace to bear our sufferings if we only ask him. So we can unite our small little crosses to the big cross of Christ on Calvary. And we always pray with great confidence, Jesus, I trust in you. Our number, if you want to be part of the conversation this morning, 888 time. A thousand people freezing their butts off waiting to worship a rat. Weatherman Phil Connors is spending the day in Puxatawney, Pennsylvania. Phil? Mad! Man, Ryerson, I did the whistling belly button trick at the high school talent show. Bing! Bing! But Phil's about to find out. He's not just stuck in Puxatawney. Will you be checking out today, Mr. Connors? Chance of departure today, 100%. He's stuck... In Groundhog Day. We are having some fun this morning. That was from the trailer from the very funny uh, Bill Murray 1993 movie called Groundhog Day. Uh, but did you know that there is a connection between Candlemas and Groundhog Day uh, that we are celebrating today? What in the world could Puxatani Phil have to do with our Catholic faith, you might be thinking? Today, the Catholic Church celebrates the Feast of the Presentation of the Lord, which occurs uh, 40 days after the birth of Jesus. It's also known as Candlemas. Sadly, it's also the end, the, uh, the traditional end of the Christmas season uh, that is uh, still being celebrated in the traditional Latin Mass community and even in Rome uh, where they have big celebrations and they're finally today taking down the nativity scenes and all the Christmas stuff from the churches there in the Eternal City. Joining us live this morning is our spiritual director, Father James Kabicki, uh, with much more on the significance of the presentation of the Lord. Father Kabicki is a Jesuit priest, a retreat director and spiritual director at the St. Francis de Sales Seminary in the Archdiocese of Milwaukee, and a relevant radio contributor with his daily prayer reflections, as well as a longtime contributor to Morning Air. Good morning, Father Kabicki. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, it's a joy to be with you on this last day uh, of the traditional Christmas season. Uh, we've also had a lot of fun this morning with uh, Groundhog Day. Well, good to be with you too, John, and happy feast to the presentation. And, you know, I'm sure our listeners are wondering what could possibly be the connection. And basically, I would sum it up as in one word, light. What we're celebrating today with the presentation of Jesus in the temple is that 40 days after his birth, he, the light of the world, came into the Jewish temple and was presented to the Father as the Jewish people did. Uh, this was part of the um, 
the rules, the law that Moses had given in the book of Exodus as a remembrance of what happened uh, at the first Passover, that um, the angel of death passed over the uh, houses of the Jewish people who had the blood of a lamb on them, and the firstborn of the Egyptians were struck down. And so in remembrance of that, the Jewish people would present the firstborn male, either animal of animals or human beings, to God and um, make an offering to God of that person and, as it were, redeem the offering with, uh, uh, a, in the case of Jesus, uh, turtle doves, something you know, that, that the poor would offer to God. And, and so what we remember is the light of the world coming into the temple, and with Groundhog Day, uh, people in medieval times uh, would celebrate this day as halfway between the shortest day of the year and the beginning of spring. And so it was, uh, again, uh, a remembrance of, of how the light is increasing and, uh, and and somehow or another, this then got connected with groundhogs and hedgehogs. And uh, it, again, the ancient people were remembering uh, how the light was increasing. And uh, here on the Feast of the Presentation, we remember that Christ is the light of the world, and we want him to increase in our lives. Yes, it, it's about the, the real light of the world, not uh, Puxatani Phil, who, as we heard at the top, uh, did see his shadow this morning. So uh, uh, the little rodent is predicting uh, six more weeks of winter, but uh, you cannot separate uh, the two, uh, the, the Feast of the Presentation uh, with uh, Groundhog Day. So it's, uh, it's an interesting, interesting and a, and a historical connection between the two, Father. It is indeed, and uh, I always smiled when, you know, living in Wisconsin, uh, growing up in Wisconsin, and now living back in Wisconsin, um, when, you know, the promise is, well, because he saw his shadow, you're going to be afflicted with six more weeks of winter, and I think to myself, oh, if only it were just six more weeks, (laughs) because so often, even into April, it it feels like uh, winter around here in Wisconsin. Absolutely. I, I know exactly uh, the feeling. Now, uh, uh, today is also known uh, traditionally as the purification of Mary. Uh, can, you, can you bring in that aspect? Okay, this, this also comes from the scriptures. And so while the uh, presentation of the firstborn male uh, comes from the book of Exodus, we turn to the book of Leviticus, one of the first five books of the Bible. Leviticus chapter 12 is all about how a woman who has given birth should uh, come to the temple 40 days after giving birth and be purified. And the idea of the, the Jewish people, it's an interesting concept. You know, for them, uh, the woman was considered unclean, but not in the sense of being dirty. Um, Rather, it was because she had been touched by blood, the blood of giving birth. There's the sacredness of blood. And so in the Jewish dietary laws, you could not consume blood or an animal that had been strangled and the blood was still in the meat. Um, And uh, because the blood belonged to God, it was sacred. And so there's this sense of the the sacredness of the woman who has given birth because of the the blood involved in the birth, uh, she needed to come to the temple uh, to be purified. And Mary, fulfilling the Jewish law, did as all women of her time did. I like to compare it to what the priest does at Mass, how he takes, after Holy Communion, he takes 
the chalice and the paten on which the body of Christ had, had, had been placed and the chalice in which the blood of Christ had been. And what does he do? He purifies them, not because they're dirty, but because they have held something that was sacred. And so just as in, in Mary's case, she held in her body the sacred body and blood of Jesus Christ, so uh, she is purified uh, 40 days after giving birth. There's definitely a, a connection, Old Testament and New Testament, uh, in in these prophecies. Uh, uh, the 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 Word made flesh, uh, coming uh, to life inside of her. Uh, the the new law versus the old law, Father. That's right, and you know we we get this in uh, Luke chapter two where uh, the story of the presentation takes place, and we have Simeon representing the Old Testament, the uh, a priest uh, in the Jewish temple, receiving Jesus into his hands. And he had been promised through prophecy, through the Holy Spirit, that he would not die until he had seen the Messiah, the Savior of the Jewish people, the Savior of the world. And in his own prophetic word, then, uh, when he uh, encounters Jesus and holds Jesus, he thanks God that now he can rest in peace. He can go uh, to his reward because he has seen the Messiah, who is, as he puts it, a light to the nation. So we go back to that concept again of light, that Jesus is the light of the world, the one who shows us the way to the Father and enlightens the path that we are walking through this earth so that we can come to the fullness of life and light in the kingdom of heaven. And that explains why this day is also known as Candlemas. Uh, can you share a little bit more uh, uh, about uh, the, the significance of Candlemas? Okay, well, in the early church then, what they began to do as, as it was a type of procession, remembering how um, Jesus would, as it were, as a baby, was processed into the temple for the presentation. And uh, in the early church, they would carry candles uh, reminding all of us of Jesus as the light of Christ, of course, the uh, of the light of the world. And of course, the Paschal candle is uh, most representative of Christ as the light. You know, we have the dark church on Easter vigil, and then we light the Easter candle, and we all light our individual candles. Well, the idea of blessing candles then uh, became part of this feast as well. And so it began to be called Candlemas Day, when all the candles that would be used in church services throughout the year would be blessed, and people could bring their own candles that they might use in their house uh, to the church and also have those blessed. So uh, in light of that, um, notion of Jesus as the light of the world and the candles that people processed with to celebrate this feast, we have um, this tradition of blessing candles on Candlemas Day, the presentation of our Lord. There's a lot going on today. Uh, it's Groundhog Day, uh, presentation of the Lord, and it's also the World Day of Prayer for Consecrated Life. I know this one is special to you, Father. That's right. Being a, a Jesuit priest, part of a religious order, uh, considered you know a consecrated person, following that vocation to the consecrated life. Since 1997, uh, when St. John Paul II had instituted this annual day of prayer and uh, to honor consecrated people, um, we celebrate the Feast of the Presentation as the World Day of Consecrated Life. And it's a time for 
um, the all the faithful to uh, be grateful for this vocation to consecrated life, whether it's as a religious woman or a religious brother, religious priest, um, to remember and thank God for that vocation, to pray for those who have been called to that life, and and to pray for vocations to that life. So it's a, it's a good day for us if you haven't uh, of our listeners to remember people, religious sisters maybe who played a role in your education or who have played a role in promoting the faith for you, uh, to remember them in prayer, whether they're living or deceased, and maybe to reach out to them. And maybe some of our listeners may have a story about a role that a consecrated person has played in their life. And we'd love to uh, give a shout out to all those um, wonderful religious who have served us over the years. So if any of our listeners want to call in and let us know about uh, someone who was very special to them and who was a consecrated person, we'd love to hear that, wouldn't we, John? Oh, without a doubt, uh, Father Kabicki. I'm so grateful to this day. Uh, Father Andrew, uh, who was a Benedictine monk uh, during my high school days when I really needed a father figure at that time, uh, never forget him. If you uh, want to honor a consecrated person today, a religious brother or sister or priest, anybody you might want to give a shout out to, we would love a to hear from you uh, and maybe uh, hear how that person played an important role in your life. We're taking your calls for Father James Kabicki at 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. If, uh, if, uh, if a religious brother, sister, or priest has touched your life, Please, today's the day uh, to uh, to share uh, your experience with us. So we're going to take a, a short break as we continue our conversation with Father Kabicki. Stay with us. There's more to come here on Morning Air on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. It's Groundhog Day, a barometric holiday. When Puxatani Phil goes running down the hill. Oh, we are milking it. We're having some fun with uh, Puxatani Phil here this morning on Groundhog Day. By the way, in case you missed it, he did see his shadow. So uh, the little guy predicts six more weeks of winter as uh, we continue our discussion uh, on a more serious note <laughs> about the presentation of the Lord. And uh, also uh, today is World Day of Prayer for Consecrated Life as uh, we're uh, chatting this morning with Father James Kabicki, our spiritual director. Uh, F- Father Kabicki, um, we were talking before the break uh, how special it is uh, to uh, remember some of uh, the religious brothers and sisters out there and the priests uh, that touched so many lives. Uh, anybody in particular that comes to mind that, that touched uh, your life, uh, that led you to your vocation as a Jesuit priest? Well, I have to say, you know, there were uh, two, I would say, a whole group of, of sisters. They were the um, friend, the Sisters of St. Joseph, Third Order of uh, St. Francis uh, of Prayer and Penance, and they came from Stevens Point, Wisconsin, and they uh, served in the school that I went to, the grade school. So I had a number of sisters as as I was growing up uh, who, um, you know, were just a great example to me and planted the faith uh, in my heart. But it, where I, I really found my vocation as a consecrated person was going to the Jesuit High School in Milwaukee, Marquette High School, where Father John Egan 
was the priest who, uh, you know, you had mentioned, uh, John, how there was a Benedictine priest who, who helped you at a, a certain time in your adolescence. And I'd say the same thing was true for me. Uh, Father John Egan uh, reached out to me at a time when I was struggling through the the different travails of adolescence growing up, and and uh, he was an important part in my life. So he planted a seed, and I, I thought to myself, I'd like to do for others what Father John Egan had done for me. And so um, he died at the young age of, of 62 uh, of cancer, uh, but I hold his memory uh, very close to me, and I, I ask him every day. He's part of my kind of litany of of Jesuits who have gone before me, and I ask him uh, to intercede for me every day so that I might uh, be able to continue uh, in my vocation and touch people the way he did. So uh, Father John Egan is the one I'd like to give a shout out to. I love it. Well, um, Josephine is joining us from Miami, Florida, with a shout out of her own. Good morning. Uh, Welcome to Morning Air, Josephine. Hi, good morning. Thank you for having me. Um, I was just wanted to give a shout out to Sister Kim, who is the principal at Immaculate LaSalle High School in Miami, Florida. I just want to um, shout out and thank her so much for impacting me and my son's lives. Um, my son's attended the school. Of course, we're not Catholic, but we're Christian. And just by that faith of, of the Catholic and the rosary and um, I just want to thank her so much for impacting my son's lives because they was able to graduate in 2013 and 2016 and going off to college, and they always refer back to that faith. So I just want to thank her so much for giving my son the opportunity to attend that school. I just want oh, to give her a well, shout th- out. Oh, thank you, Josephine. A shout out to Sister Kim. That's uh, such a wonderful tribute uh, that you know shows how. Uh, consecrated persons, religious women, uh, have have touched so many lives, not just Catholics, but uh, so many uh, other Christians uh, who have gone to um, the different schools that they serve. So that's a great story. Thank you, Josephine. Really appreciate it, uh, Josephine. Thanks again. Um, Father Kabicki, um, another Jesuit priest, uh, the Holy Father, Pope Francis, uh, arrived uh, earlier this week uh, in the Democratic Republic of Congo, his 40th apostolic journey abroad, uh, his fifth journey to Africa. Can you talk a little bit about the, the significance of this trip for the Holy Father uh, to Africa? Well, it, it is very significant. He had to postpone this trip because of uh, some health problems he had. Uh, he was supposed to go last summer. Uh, but he is going, and he's going to two countries, the Democratic Republic of Congo, which is the largest Catholic country in Africa. Uh, 50% of its population is uh, is Catholic. And and they are so large that they are actually 20% of all the Catholics in Africa. And um, so it's, it's a beautiful country in which Catholicism is alive and well, and yet it's, it's also threatened by uh, rebels in the East and militias and the exploitation of resources. And so the Pope in his messages has really addressed this. He met with victims of, of the violence, and I did not see it myself, but I spoke with some friends of mine yesterday who told me that it was very moving to see 
these victims of human trafficking and of, of exploitation and of torture um, and the Pope meeting with them. So he went in order to bring a message of reconciliation and that the church uh, universal has not forgotten uh, its brothers and sisters in Congo. And then he will be going to South Sudan a new, relatively new country in the world. It received its independence from Sudan in the year 2011. Uh, Sudan is a country in which uh, the majority were Muslim, but the southern part were Christian, and so they were able to find um, independence in 2011. And uh, 60% of of the 11 million um, uh, of that country, South Sudan, are Christian, 60% are Christian, and then 52% are are Catholic. And so again, he's reaching out to a place where there's been much suffering. Um, Since independence in 2011, it's estimated that 400,000 people have been killed in an ongoing civil war. And so he's going as a pilgrim of reconciliation and peace, uh, hoping to support our brothers and sisters in those difficult places in our world. I think it's so uh, easy for us in the West to to forget that the Church is thriving in Africa. That really, in many ways, is the future of the Catholic Church. Uh, with these numbers that you're describing, uh, uh, huge populations of, of Catholics uh, in in both uh, the Democratic Republic of Congo and uh, South Sudan. Uh, I was really impressed when I saw the images of the Holy Father uh, yesterday, uh, Father Kabiki. There was over a million people people at a mass for the pope i mean it, it was it was really uh, impressive wow that uh, that figure is always amazing to me when we hear about world youth day and and world youth day you know draws on people from around the world but to consider that a million people there in the central part of africa came together to celebrate the eucharist with the holy father um that is an amazing figure and and it it should you know make all of us aware of our brothers and sisters there that we are a universal church and one of the parts of the church that is suffering but is also very much faithful to the the catholic faith are our brothers and sisters in uh in the congo and uh, according to Vatican News, uh, the Holy Father uh, today uh, met uh, uh, with uh, young people uh, on his trip there uh, at the Democratic Republic of Congo, uh, really uh, encouraging uh, the young people of uh, a different future is in your hands. So uh, the Holy Father, you know, he loves the youth, uh, you know, right in line with World Youth Day. This is a great opportunity for him to get really close to all those young kids uh, in Africa. That's right. And, you know, to make the connection with uh, uh, with Groundhog Day, I know that movie, it's, you know, it's always about repeating the same thing over and over. And I think what the Holy Father is telling young people is let's not repeat the violence, the war, the lack of faith that we see in the world today. Let's change the world. It's up to you, young people, to make sure that tomorrow is different from today. And uh, so I, I think uh, it's really a great message of the Holy Father that he meets with young people there. Absolutely. Uh, Father Kabiki, um, this is a special day. Uh, we, we can uh, honor our Lord here on this Feast of the Presentation of the Lord and honor our Blessed Mother as well. That's right. And let's uh, maybe close with a blessing for all our listeners and their families and friends. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of Jesus, the light of the world the light of our lives. We thank you for Mary, 
who brought Jesus into the world and into our lives. And we ask you to bless all of us that we may be a light for the people we meet today and throughout our lives. And may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, come upon you and remain with you forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, uh, Father Kabicki, as always. it's It's been a joy. Well, thank you too, John. Goodbye. Father James Kabicki, our spiritual director. And now it's time for yet another episode of Glenn Story Corner. Our story today called Stay Away from the Edge. The story is told about a stagecoach company who is hiring teamsters to drive its stagecoaches through a mountainous area. The local office manager had advertised for the position, and people began to apply for the job. As they were interviewed, the boss asked each applicant, how close can you drive the team to the edge of the cliff as you round the mountain? The first fellow replied that he was skilled enough that he could drive the stagecoach within three feet of the edge of the cliff. The boss thanked him for his time and called in the next applicant. In the course of the interview, the boss asked the next man the same question. He replied that he could drive the team and coach within one foot of the edge of the cliff. He likewise was thanked for his time, and the next applicant was called in. The boss asked this fellow the same question. He replied, I'd drive the coach as far from the edge of the cliff as I possibly could. He got the job. 1 Corinthians 10.13 No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He'll also provide a way out so that you can endure it. As always, thanks so much, uh, Glenn. I want to encourage you to try to get to Daily Mass if you can and pray the Family Rosary Across America with Father Rocky, 7 p.m. Central tonight and every night of the week here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. That'll do it for this Thursday edition of Morning Air for Glenn Leverance, producer Sarah Tafoya, Gabby Burke, our entire Morning Air team. I'm John Morales. Thanks so much for joining us. Let your light shine before all on this candle mass. God bless America. We'll see you Friday on the next Morning Air. The Patrick Madrid Show is straight ahead. <laughs> <laughs>